0: When you're trying to be perfect, and perfect is not a state, right? It's the mirage. Even when you get there, you'll be like, oh, I, I could have done more. Yo, That's
1: <laughs> of course, Of <Yeah>, course. Yeah. <laughs> it's
2: not like you get there and you're like, I was yeah, perfect. I've arrived. <laughs> Time yeah. to die. Dear Shandy. Welcome back to Dear Shandy, listeners. Hello, Andy. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Doing, doing okay. okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm both really excited and a little like...
3: Yeah. Nervous for today? So today's? close to home.
2: Yes. <laughs> today's topic is extremely close to home, and I've been sort of like working my way up to it. I'm worried I may cry today, but we'll try. I'll try yeah. not to. Okay, so we are joined today by a lovely, lovely guest who is extremely qualified to take on the topic of perfectionism. Mm. So she is the CEO and founder of the Goodbye Perfect Project, a collection of science backed programs designed to help women achieve their true potential, which sounds Lovely and meaningful and fulfilling and all the things. She is the host of the Life is a Highway podcast, a researcher specializing in women's confidence, and she holds master's degrees in coaching psychology and in positive psychology, which is the science of human flourishing and well-being. That's so nice.
1: It is. It
2: sounds like she has a nice life. She's been featured in Forbes, Happify, Thrive Global and the Huffington Post with over 1 million readers and her new book, Goodbye Perfect, How to Stop Pleasing, Proving and Pushing for Others and Live for Yourself comes out next week on April 11th. Homaira Kabir, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you, Charlene. Thank you, Andy. This is an honor to be here. Seriously.
2: I have to tell you, we're just so excited this worked out because you are in Oman, correct? Yes, I mean this. Wow. This is definitely the most international we've gone. So. Yeah,
3: this is very close to the opposite end of the earth.
2: <laughs> yes, isn't technology amazing? It's
3: amazing. Yes.
2: Wow. That's a blessing amazing. and a yeah, a blessing and a curse. Okay, so before we get going, Homaira. As you know, we rescheduled this call. We were originally supposed to do this a week ago. And then with a couple days notice, I was like, no, no, no. We have to reschedule. We have to do it a week later. And the honest to God truth is because I had not completely finished your book from cover to cover. And I knew I wouldn't have time to. And the perfectionist in me could not allow... I felt like too much of a fraud having you on and asking you about your book if I had not read every single word and really digested it. And so, as you can imagine, this topic is close to home today. The idea of just sort of always needing to prove how ready and qualified and everything you are. So I also know that our listeners, the Shandies, really identify this with this a lot. They submitted a lot of questions for you today. So we're really excited to have you on.
0: Oh, awesome. But I mean, in this case, I don't know whether I should say, oh, I wish you weren't such a perfectionist, because I love the fact that you read it cover to cover. <laughs> <laughs> there could be nothing more meaningful to me. So. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, it's always like
2: a, a sort of um, song and dance when we have an author on. I'm like, well, I have to read the whole book. But then, you know, as the days get closer, I'm like, well, I've read this much and there's this many days left. And I <laughs> start to sort of spiral. So we're going to start at the very beginning here. When I read your book, I'm not sure I would have expected confidence and namely two types of confidence, fragile confidence and optimal confidence to really be at the core of what I deem to be, you know, I always thought my perfectionism was just this quirk, this thing that kind of worked <laughs> for me and against me. Can yeah. you explain fragile confidence and optimal confidence before we get going?
0: Yes. And, and you know, um, Charlene, it's funny because when I, you know, my background, my degree was in positive psychology. So when I started my research, my postgrad research, what I was really researching was what does it take for women to flourish? So my topic was flourishing, but it so happened that I discovered in the research that it was really fragile confidence that got in the way of our flourishing. Mm. And so that is how it all turned toward confidence and understanding that there are these two types of high confidence. Fragile confidence also looks like high confidence, but one of them is stable and the other is unstable. One of them is independent of external factors. The other is dependent on external factors. So, you know, somebody says something nice about you or you have success or you get approval and all of that. So it is dependent on all those things. And so it is constantly in flux, as you can imagine. Now, the thing with fragile confidence is when you are fragile confidence, you get hooked onto perfectionistic mm-hmm. behaviors. And in the book, I write that there are many types of masks, right? So it's not only crossing the T's and dotting the I's, it's mm-hmm. also the pleaser trying to prove yourself, trying to have a perfect life, trying to prove that you know more than the other does. All of those things are different as different ways that perfectionism can show up, but In fragile confidence, perfectionism is one of the key features of it. Mm -hmm. So, the way we let go of perfectionism is moving from fragile confidence to optimal confidence. And that is what frees us to flourish. So, really, the book is about flourishing. The book is about how do we live our optimal lives? How do we grow into the person that we want to be? Then, and letting go of perfectionism just happens on the way to that. So, So when that happened, I actually was very excited because I felt this brings a different perspective because, you know, there are so many hacks that we always try to let go of perfectionism, pleasing. We all know when they're holding us back. Most of us know that our perfectionistic tendencies are holding us back. We try a few things, some work, some don't work. And it's amazing to have all these hacks and all of that. But unless we also do the inner work of building that self-worth and all of that, none of them can last because you know every time now you're facing a challenging situation and or something happens or something comes up it is only natural to revert to your old behaviors because we are wired to want safety so we just mm. go back to what felt safe and what we've been doing for decades always feels safe mm.
2: and it's it's possible to be uh, optimally confident in some facets of her life, and more fragilely confident in others. Or does it tend to be definitely. all or nothing?
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. So uh, now again. Uh, if if you want me to dig deep into that, it, is, it happens largely because of the early experiences we have and the messages we receive about what is important in, in our life and stuff like that. So whatever messages we receive about the areas of our lives that are important, then our confidence kind of becomes hooked onto that. Like that is the area where we want to get praise, where we want to do well, we want we want. We, we need approval. And so, yes, maybe you could be very securely attached in your relationship, but not securely attached when, as far as work goes, you may not be able to deal well with it if something negative happens at work, but, you know, your partner says something to you, you can shrug it off. Is
2: pretty much everything linked back to early childhood?
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seems like that.
0: It, it, in, in a way, it does, only because, only because. Those early experiences happen before the brain develops the ability to make sense of them. So mm-hmm. they they kind of live deep inside of us. So they live in what's called core belief, they live in some people call it the body, whatever you want to call it, the subconscious. And the subconscious is a is a reality and it is what drives most of our behaviors, which is why, you know, they always say that take a break, like think before you act, because Mm -hmm. that thinking allows your conscious brain to catch up. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're just acting on those very visceral things that we have no control over. You know, sometimes something happens, you just tear up. Sometimes something happens, you just, you don't have a lot of control over those emotions. They do come from a part of us that we don't control. Mm. And so it is important to bring a lot of compassionate awareness around that. And when I say early experiences, I don't only mean your attachment style and, you know, the experiences you had in your home, although, you know, they do play a large part. But then it's also so many other things as well that, again, you know, I've mentioned in the book, you may have read it. You know, it's your own temperament. It is. The circumstances, the challenges that you face, maybe they may have been too much for you to handle at the time. I know for me, it was. Mm -hmm. And whatever other things that happen, it's like almost like a life review. You do a life review of Mm -hmm. your past and then you fit it into the attachment styles and see, okay, what does it really point toward? Why why is my tendency toward that? And that Mm -hmm. brings a lot of one piece and it doesn't make you feel so weird And two, you can bring a lot of compassion around those behaviors so that it's much easier to let them go then. Okay, so... Oh, did you want to ask something?
3: No, I always struggle with this because it feels like nothing's our fault and we can take credit for nothing as well because it feels like everything was programmed in from when we were little babies. And even the choice to examine yourself and fix the problems that were born into you as babies feels like that itself was probably born into you as a baby yeah so we can't take credit for anything yeah. No, that's And it kind of is liberating and also kind of depressing you know we could have a whole <laughs> other podcast on free will which is a very disturbing topic but but it, it, it's kind of liberating in a sense mm. like we don't have a choice and we're on this journey and it's nice when you start making the right choices about examining yourself. But in the end, we shouldn't hate people for being the way they are. And we shouldn't hate ourselves for being the way we are because really, we have very, very little choice, if any.
0: Okay. So, what happened to us, Andy, I 100% say it wasn't, especially at that time. And I think a lot of what happens to us is not in our control. We try to. You know, we we sometimes extend our agency, our sense of control a bit. We think it is more than it is. And I think bringing that back into perspective and saying that all of this happened to me, whether from other people, whether from life itself, is not in our control, which allows us to not take so much responsibility for everything that happened to us. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I think as conscious creatures, we do have a natural desire to grow. I mean, that is built in into us as human beings, the growth desire. We do have that desire to grow. And I think with a a consciousness and an ability to think, we would want to think about our lives. Who do I want to be? I mean, it's that pre-programmed into us. These are questions that we ask ourselves. Nobody really forces us to ask them, but who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And these are important questions that then, please us to reflect on the way forward rather than be trapped in the in the past.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Once we understand that these behaviors happen for a reason and we can distance ourselves from them, then we are kind of free to choose how we want to respond. We can design our lives in a way that we think it will get us closer to how we would want to be, want to be remembered, want to, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of our lives say, this is what I lived but also uh, at the same time, not be trapped by those behaviors. So bring more of an awareness around them, be able to be with what is instead of just rushing to action. I think what we do a lot in our societies is rush to action. Okay, I need to fix this. I need to just take action instantly. But if we can just step back a little bit and think, why is it like this? bring a lot of compassionate awareness. Compassion is not weak in any sense. Compassion Mm -hmm. allows us to be courageous. Compassion allows us to think how we want to be, especially in relationships. It is very important because, you know, human relationships, everybody's bringing their baggage with them when they enter Mm -hmm. a relationship. And so if we can have compassion for what we're feeling, that naturally extends into compassion and empathy for the other person. And, And then... You know, allows us to give a little, allows us to experience what we're feeling. And and then by that time, like I said, the conscious brain does catch up. Mm-hmm. And right. then you can say, okay, this is how I want to be. And, and, and you're able to do that.
2: Can you imagine if the world was just full of her of Homaira's?
0: <laughs> Can you imagine? The, the world would
2: be so harmonious.
0: We would
3: just be all dancing, I mean, like holding you hands. know,
0: Charlene, this is Homaira when she's giving advice. <laughs> <laughs> in her life, that's not me. It's oh, nice. Well, you say then, that I,
2: I enjoyed there was an example in your book of when you kind of blew a gasket at your children in this one scene, it was during COVID, I believe. And I found it so relatable and just even the thought press process that got you there because you were really trying to just go above and beyond for them. And then you felt that the appreciation you were receiving in return was, did not match what you were putting out there. And I found that so relatable because that actually is a, a real curse with my perfectionism is I will put so I'll, put in so much effort and that if I don't feel that the response feels like like it matches in some way and it's not even necessarily praise because I find that I actually have a hard time even accepting praise you know what I mean it's like this sick cycle but you still want it to somehow match and then you then you start to examine how it doesn't match and then you get upset and I just found that such a relatable scene it
0: was, I, I loved oh, your Charlene, personal no, examples. Thank you. But you know, Charlene, what you're really looking for is not praise. You're looking to be seen. That's what mm-hmm. you're looking
1: for. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: That's going back
2: to a very early episode. One of our first hot topic episodes of this podcast, we talked about Enneagram types and there are nine Enneagram types and what your what you're seeking is, what your goal is. And mine was to be understood. Type yeah. four. Yeah. 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 And. Interestingly, just something you touched on briefly, I'm totally going off. Like I had all these questions, but I was hoping it would flow like a conversation and as is. I I told you this would happen. Yeah, yeah. Andy did say that. I was like, I don't know (laughs) if I have enough questions. And Andy was like, I think it's going to be okay. (laughs) So our Enneagram types, four and five, were uh, deemed to be past oriented. And Andy and I tend to be very past oriented. We, we tend to make decisions based on a fear of regret. And we tend to be really nostalgic a lot of the time and sort of reflect on the past. And we have a hard time envisioning even five years into the future. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to you, you talk a lot in the book about like, what is it you want? What do you mm-hmm. want? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's a scary. I'm envious of the people who can so quickly be like, this is what I want. This mm-hmm. is what I want my life to look mm-hmm. like in five, mm-hmm. 10 years. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a connection there? Or like the, when you talk about that, those early experiences and wanting to, you know, reflect and grow and distance yourself from those experiences so that you can thrive and flourish and all the things. Do you think that the tendency towards perfectionism and towards trying to control everything is to live somewhat in the past?
0: So Charlene, we're not focused on the past. We're not deliberately focused on the past, but we're living the past in our present lives. And Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that we're doing this is because, and this is especially true in anxious attachment, because we don't learn the ability to be with our emotions. Our emotions overwhelm us. And so having perfecting things, having a sense of control, all of this, that helps us manage our emotions a lot of it is really about emotional management about learning to be okay with not being okay uh, any little risk it's really the the emotional upsurge that is that's really hard for us to take and if we can be okay with that and if we can then I mean I've struggled with it a lot in my life just because every time I step out to take risks in my head I know it's not a big deal I know that I know my stuff so how mm. do you deal with those emotions how do you ride the wave of the emotions how do you uh, redirect the emotions into something positive and exciting uh, instead of trying to just calm them all the time because sometimes that that's not possible and sometimes it's not even advisable. Now the questions
2: are going to start being interwoven with our listeners. So our, we call them our Shandys. Our Shandys yes. submitted a lot of questions. You know, sometimes we'll bring on a Hot Topic guest and they'll be like, oh, that's exciting. I don't have any questions, but looking forward to listening. Well, let me tell you, when I said we were <laughs> going to be talking about perfectionism, people had questions. So yeah. one of these questions came from a Shandy who said she could already see in her daughters who were age six and seven, this trait of perfectionism, and she admitted that she is a perfectionist herself. Mm -hmm. So her question was, is perfectionism a learned trait or hereditary nature versus nurture? We I know that you said that the early experiences, you know, can tilt you in that direction based on your confidence, but and self worth. But is there any aspect of this that is hereditary?
0: Yes, a little bit for sure, because those of us who are uh, so neurotic, you know, one of the personality traits of uh, neuroticism, mm. we do tend to be more perfectionist because it, it, it helps everything be in con- under, under our control. And so we don't need to stress out about things so much. But I think a lot of it can be helped with nurture. I mean, one, nurture plays a huge role, but even if it is nature, and through parenting, we can really... Parenting, one, and intimate relationships, the other one. These are two huge things that, that can help us with all of these uh, extreme tendencies. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if if the mom is herself a perfectionist, then it'll definitely come into the children, not only because children just do what they see their parents do, but also because it is likely that in everything that she asks them to do, the way she would want them to wash their hands or brush their teeth or pack their bag or whatever it is, there'll be little gentle, subtle ways of either rewarding perfection or Mm -hmm. reminding them to be a certain way. And children absorb all of that. I mean, especially kids, they just want mom to be happy, right? Parents Mm -hmm. to be happy. And so they're going to just naturally try to do all of that.
2: Do you have any advice for parents who maybe identify as perfectionists, but don't want to pass that on? Like, how, what can they do?
0: Yeah, I mean, the first uh, the first thing is obviously the self-awareness, which she already has. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's one awesome step already taken. And then uh, I think, one, identify her own uh, areas of growth. So how does she let go of the perfectionism? So how does she include in her life little moments of not being so perfect and deal with it? And then the same with her kids. I mean, you know, when things are not that perfect, help them take themselves a little less seriously. You know, Mm -hmm. if things are not that perfect or, you know, the bed's not made 100%, oh, honey, that's fine. Like, what can we do with the time we saved in not... Making the bed, doing making. Well, yeah, making the bed may not be the <laughs> example, but something else or the other. Yeah. Like, what do you gain by not being such a perfectionist? I think that's a really important thing for for the mom herself to think. Okay, if I'm not being a perfectionist in this area, what am I gaining by it? And I think a huge gain is I'm not, you know, setting myself kids up to be a perfectionist and suffer it mm-hmm. all her lives. So focus on the gain and that can really help.
3: The problem with that is I think a lot of people see perfectionists as these people who are so successful, mm. you know, the top of their field. But I see perfectionists actually as living in a gear below their potential because they are comfortable that they can be perfect at that gear. But once they step up, they're no longer perfect. Mm. So the perfectionism to me actually does make a person who you know, sort of on, from the outside looks maybe perfect in their own lifestyle, but could be so much better. Mm. And I feel that in my life, like I, every time, like I've seen, you know, I've taken some risks. I've gotten much better at this, but I mean, I'm doing a podcast, so I guess that's a risk. <laughs> you can't really be perfect on a podcast. I've I've already noticed things that were not perfect on this podcast alone <laughs> that I'd like to change, but I can't now. But I will say that, you know, I've taken more risk, but I found that I am most comfortable when I'm like, oh, I can do this perfectly and I'm not going to try any harder. And I know I could try harder and I know I could probably do better and fail and then do better and then fail and then maybe get perfect at a higher level. But I don't want to go there. And I think that's that to me is the worst part of perfectionism is that you don't achieve your potential because you don't want to get to the perfect level up there. You want to stay at the perfect level where you know you can be perfect.
0: Exactly. You bring up such an amazing point because... You see, when you're trying to be perfect, and perfect is not a state, right? It's a mirage. It will always keep you. Even, even when you get there, you'll be like, oh, I, I could have done more. Yo, That's
1: <laughs> of course. yeah, yeah.
2: It's not like you get there and you're like, I was yeah, perfect. I've arrived. Time <laughs> <Yeah>. to die.
0: <laughs> exactly. And even if you feel I've arrived, it's going to just last for two minutes and then yeah. your mind will start going, okay, but that wasn't good enough. Yep. So when we don't really know ourselves or when we reject parts of ourselves, when we're not happy with the way we are, and that, again, goes back to those, all that earlier good stuff. But we have this ideal that is not really based on who we are. It's this perfect ideal that that is influenced by society and caregivers and whoever, whoever. And so this that, that journey between not knowing who you are and this ideal that is... That is full of anxiety. That's full of comparison, social comparison. That's full of always stressed out and doubting yourself and all of that. And those two circles, if you want to call it, never really align much. Mm-hmm. This is Carl Rogers and all about self-actualization. They just stay apart and you stay stuck in this gap, which which has, you know, you can add in, you can throw in anxiety, depression, sure. social comparison, shame, whatever. But when we really embrace who we are, which is where self-compassion comes in, with you know our faults, failings, everything is okay, then you can create an ideal self that is not externally motivated, but is based on who you are. So like you said, Andy, uh, you can really say, this is what I really, really want. So not happy with that middle level, but this is what I really want because now you're not worried about, oh, if I fail, what will others say? Or if I fail, how will I mm-hmm. deal with it? So you can raise your, raise the bar at your full potential, whatever that potential is. And then that journey is far more joyful because you're not comparing to anybody else. You're running your own race. And those two circles come together. And that is what an actualized life is. They just keep all your life. it is just closing the gap more and more and more. And every moment you're feeling fulfilled, you're feeling happy. I mean, you know, it's not a bed of roses all the time, but even that effort that you put in is not about proving yourself. It's just about the... You know, just wanting that, knowing that this is my potential and this is how I can reach it. Mm.
2: Okay. Mm. So something you just said that begs the question in your research, have you seen a, uh, a link between perfectionism and competition, like a competitive nature and, or envy, because you talked <laughs> about, you know, being in your own race, so you're not racing against anyone else. Yeah. So I'm just curious if you've seen that there's a link. I say there this, by is- the way, as a am as a, a, a perfectionist who I don't consider myself a competitive person.
0: Mm-hmm. This for, is true. Okay. For what it's worth. So again, you spoke about, oh, is it dependent on something or the other? So this is also Jennifer Crocker's research. So I want to... Uh give her credit for this. She said that it could be dependent on approval. It could Mm. be dependent on competition. It could be, so she identifies all these different areas. So maybe yours is more dependent on approval and not so much on competition. Mm. It
2: is. But, it's, it is. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Yeah>? <laughs> ding, ding, ding.
0: <laughs> yeah, But, you know, as far as envy goes, I think envy is not necessarily a bad thing. Envy just reminds us of what we really value. So mm-hmm. if you envy somebody for the path that they've chosen in their life or what they're doing with their lives, and if you feel envy, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that, yes, this speaks to me in some way. This speaks to my values, my aspirations, my something or the other. Jealousy, on the other hand, is different because that kind of is like it's like a zero sum game or oh, they have it, but I wanted it and now they have it. So I can't have it kind of thing.
2: So one Shandy said that while they recognize that their perfectionism negatively impacts their life, they also felt it provided them with motivation, passion, goal making. And I myself feel like my perfectionism does reap benefits in some ways in my life like i never mind how many hours of sleep i lost or Mm. you know you know how much i sacrificed to get it in the end i am in retrospect proud of what i produced because i didn't produce something that wasn't quote unquote perfect so the question is this several shandies actually asked variations on this theme is it possible to balance maintaining the ways in which perfectionism betters one life while discarding what is not necessary or is even harmful, or is it more or less necessary to just throw out the baby with the bathwater and let it all go?
0: And no. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> and I think this would come as a relief to them. You see, the thing is with all these unhelpful behaviors, you have to know when they're serving you and when they're not serving you, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I see so many young women who come to me and they're perfectionists, they're ambitious, they're perfectionists, they're putting in a lot of time and they're being very well rewarded for it at at work as well. And so it's a good thing. I mean, why would I ask them to not do it unless, I mean, it's stopping them from doing other things that they really love to do. And they're saying, okay, it's to strengthen my life. A lot of people who really start struggling with it is when they start having a family, when they start having kids, they realize all these behaviors because they are so hooked onto them, they they cannot. So now they have to be the perfect employee, but then they also have to be the perfect mom and they also have to be the perfect partner. And then, you know, how many things can you do perfectly? So it is about, you know, you can always choose that this is where I decide to be perfect because it also brings me joy. Maybe it's not even perfection, it's excellence. What you really love, Shandy, uh, Shandy, Charlene, sorry. Yeah. You, and can, your you can Shandy. Call him Shandy. That happens a lot, <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not.
2: Acceptable.
0: People uh, call me Shandy and they call him Adam. Yeah. <laughs> and so what you really love is excellence, right? Maybe that is your strength. It is mm. a strength. It is actually a character strength, the love for excellence. And so you should be proud of that. You should use that as a strength. But perfectionism is when you have to have that excellence in every area of your life. It is impacting the quality of your life, but you just can't let go of it because it just gets emotionally very stressful for you to let go of it.
2: You just answered one of my other questions, which also Mm -hmm. came up a lot, which was what's the difference between perfectionism and just high standards?
0: And I think high standards are good. and. In relationships as well, I know this is a relationship podcast, and um, yeah, in what's his name again? There's this research professor, Eli Finkel. He's written this wonderful book. It's called um, "The All or Nothing Marriage," and he talks about it's great to have great expectations of your marriage. In fact, these days we want, we are at this, we're going through this collective. Phase through in our, like, let's say, collective journey as human beings, where we want to self actualize, right? Most of us want to live our lives to their full potential. And that includes the relationship we have with our partners, whatever relationship we get into. And so to have high expectations, whether it is of of ourselves, of our partners, relationship, all of that is a great thing. But we have to know, are we equipped for it? Like if it's in a relationship, do we have the communication skills that we can express this? Do we have we built the resources of forgiveness and of appreciation of the other and of all those things so that we can work toward what we want? It's the same with ourselves. I mean, it's good to have high expectations of ourselves. Why would we want to get to the end of our lives and say, hey, I didn't even live my potential Right, Mm. but are we doing it in a way that brings us joy, that feels meaningful, that is actually honoring all the other aspects of our lives that are important to us and meaningful to us? Mm. So that that becomes the question at the end of the day. And so sometimes it is important to not take ourselves so seriously, to find you know make, I wouldn't like to say compromises, but do it in a way that that is taking everything along for the ride what perfectionism what it does is it wants to have it perfect and it wants to have it now because you just want it perfect now Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. be able to value the growth to be able to value the journey and say okay this is where i am i'm moving toward this idea whatever perfect it is but it is one step at a time where i'm also enjoying it and finding it meaningful
2: you have a knack for answering questions that i'm about to ask (laughs) this also came up a lot. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is a great thing. And I just want to make sure that I verbalize the question because this one also came up a lot and I really identify with this Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. this podcast is the first time Andy and I've like gone into biz, you know, it's funny to call it a business, but you know, yeah, like working together and Mm -hmm. we work together in our home in New York city. So it's not a big place. You know what I mean? It's like, it's very challenging, especially when one of you is, so, like I am, yeah. I'm very demanding, and so how can one manage a not asserting their perfectionistic ideals on their partner, but also b not harboring resentment when that when their partner inevitably, you know, is not able to live up to those ideals. Wait, what are you saying? <laughs> I'm sure that this, you know, probably takes years for people to unpack. I'm just, do you have any advice for, for the Shandys who ask this and also myself?
0: I think Andy would like the answer. I think it is (laughs) (laughs) learn to appreciate who they are as a person. Mm. because what we do in perfectionist tendencies we have our own ideal of how we want things to be because it helps somehow make our lives more perfect like so I have the perfect partner so I have the perfect life kind of thing but you know that takes away from the fact that the other person is a human being with their insane strengths and you know whatever aspirations and desires and the rest of it and so the more we can connect to them at a more human level the more it One, it stops having all these expectations because now you can see a whole different side of them that you've been likely blind to or not appreciated as much. Appreciate them, express them, express that appreciation to them because then whatever you want of them it would we are reciprocal human be- creatures right so mm-hmm. if you can appreciate who the other person is you can talk about their dreams their aspirations have these kinds of conversations you're pretty much building a container in which then you can throw in your demands i mean i like to talk about it like a, con- a metal container right every time you throw in a coin it'll clang really loud and it'll be like ah there she goes again and the more- <laughs> <laughs> the more you can line that container with soft things like, you know, cotton wool, all of that, that is the appreciation that you give the other person. Genuinely see the good in them, express that to them so that when you make those demands of them, they will be more likely to uh, listen to you. Mm mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And also I liked how you touched on appreciate what their strengths are, like what, what they do bring to the table because i think that's one of the the ways like i trust me i fully like I, I i think I there's a lot of cotton wool i give you a lot of cotton wool <laughs> yeah there's wool
3: there's some wool it's more of like when it hits the bottom it's like doom. <laughs>
2: yeah there's a lot of praise but i think sometimes my expectations or like me asserting my perfectionism onto him is almost asking him to be someone he's not like i recognize that he brings to the table things I simply
0: cannot. Exactly. So, you know, the thing is, at the end of the day, what you're asking of him or wanting of him isn't r- right or wrong. The thing is, we we get stuck on a certain thing and then we, we become blind to the full picture, right? Mm. So when you can see the strands, you can see all of that. Now you have the fuller picture. And then the demands that you make or the asks that you make are not so oh, I just need that, and I need it now, and why didn't you do it, and all of that, because now you're entering it from the appreciation of the whole person, and for sure make your demands if they're important to you, if they're reasonable, if you're not asking him for something that he just cannot provide, but if they're reasonable, and they're important to you, for sure ask them, ask them in a way that is know respectful and then also remember to always remind the other person when they forget because we are human beings we can forget also remember to appreciate it when they remember because then they'll be likely to do it more you're basically Mm -hmm. building a new habit in them. seeing the good is not about oh but he also does this so let me drop this demand because then yes you will feel resentful Mm. Down the line somewhere or the mm. other, right? It's not spiritual bypassing, but at the same time expand it so that you're you can you're not so hung up on a certain thing and then ask for it, for sure, ask for it and even show him why it's important to you. you no, know, partnerships. I mean, if when you're showing him how you appreciate him, you're showing him why it's important to you, he would most likely want to make your life better as well.
2: You know what I'm hearing is that you know the whole thing everything in moderation usually people use that in terms of like food and diet but Mm -hmm. i i feel like it applies to this very much as well it's like everything in moderation you you can be a perfectionist in moderation like pick your battles same with you like i can demand things of you in moderate like the things that matter the most to me it's just people have a hard time knowing where the line is
3: i will say though that the 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 pushing you've given me, I'll call it pushing, uh, for lack of a better word. Okay, I love to hate it, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate to love it, I think. But um, it's gotten me a little bit out of my comfort zone, mm. in my perfectionist comfort zone. Like I know, like what I was discussing earlier, I know that I can, let's take this podcast. for example. I know I can do this podcast at this level very yeah. perfectly. Yeah. But to take it to this level, I'm a little scared. I don't want to do that. But what Charlene has done is she's kind of pushed me aggressively (laughs) to get to that level. And I will say that no one else does that in my life. Probably for probably good. That that would be very stressful if everyone in all facets of my life were pushing me that hard. But it has been a lesson for the perfectionist, for my perfectionist self, yeah. because she obviously loves me a lot, and I know that. There's no doubt. So someone who truly loves me is trying to make me better forcibly, and it doesn't feel good. It hurts. It's frustrating. It kind of makes me angry at times. Yeah. But at the same time, it's possibly one of the only thing that's allowed me to say, okay, I'm going to rise above where I know I can be perfect. Mm -hmm. So it has been helpful. And that kind of circuitously brings me to another point, which is shame. Um, And I do feel that shame is what drives my inability to push myself past my sort of stasis of perfectionism. And my question to you, Omira, is what do you find to be in most people the driver of perfectionism? Is it something from within where you're just a person who's like, I need to be the best. I love myself and I want to be the best I can be. Or is it mostly driven by, shame is kind of a broad term, but is it mostly driven by people? Like you want to impress people or you want people to think of you a certain way and you don't want to be ashamed of your life in the eyes of other people.
0: Yeah, uh, and it's a great <laughs> question.
2: And, and it is the latter. By the it way, we talk about shame at least once an episode yeah, on Dear Shandy. Like once a,
3: once, <laughs> once, an hour.
0: Yeah, shame comes up a lot here. But that's a great thing that you talk about it. I mean, shame, that is the best way to manage shame is by talking about it. Shame no. loves secrecy. So it's mm. wonderful that you can talk about it. I like that. Oh, I like that too. That's a mm. good line. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it is mostly... Uh, I mean, almost always it is externally driven. It is what would others think? I have to rise and see. The thing with shame is what you're trying to hide is some perceived lack, some perceived inadequacy that that is that came from whatever early experiences you had. And you know what? Most of us have it like it's not like, oh, somehow your caregivers or life was extremely terrible to you. That is the way it is. I mean, life isn't perfect. Why are we trying to be perfect? It's like, you know, it's just the mixed bunch that was thrown at you. And as a result of that, we develop some perceived notion that we're inadequate or worthless or broken in some way. Most of us carry that. To, to varying degrees, and so to hide that because it's a very painful feeling, nobody wants to feel that. And we are social creatures; we live amongst other people. We put on these masks, this this garb, that we are somehow acceptable. You know, we need to be acceptable. It's a human need because we are tribal; that we have to be acceptable. And so we have we have all of these perfectionist things uh, because we try we are really trying what to hide that lack or that inadequacy perfection is very outcome oriented mm-hmm. versus that other thing that you spoke about, Oh, I want to have the best life. Why not? That is very process oriented.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so this is where it gets really difficult because when it's outcome oriented, you're going to avoid risks. You're going to do all of that because you have to be perfect. I mean, if you're not, then what would others think? And mm-hmm. you know, how will you deal with all of that? But if you just want to grow into and And that is where it takes me back to what you said, Charlene, earlier, that you guys don't think, both of you, you find it hard to plan five years ahead. I think that would be an amazing thing for the podcast. Think of where where do we want to take this podcast five years from now or 10 years from now? What do we want to grow it into and Mm -hmm. get excited by all of that? Because then it becomes process oriented. You have this vision, this very internally motivated thing of what you can see this podcast as becoming. And then that motivation is something that is not so much coming at you and you're driving yourself toward it, but it's coming from within you. Mm -hmm. Mm.
3: I mean, I always I I feel that the best people, the most quality human lives are created from that, not from the need to appease Uh, other people that may make create the tallest buildings Mm -hmm. or the biggest bank accounts. But I don't think it creates the people we remember in history like that was a great life.
2: Oh, totally.
0: And never. And, you know, um, it's so beautiful you say that, Andy, because it reminds me of a quote by Joseph Campbell. And he said, you when it's externally motivated, he said, you know, you do all of this, you get there, Herculean efforts, all of that. And you get to the top and you realize you were climbing someone else's wall. Oh, mm, oh, uh, 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 <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> You twisted yours I a twisted few more times. I, just... <laughs> I did a slight twist. It, it didn't need extra twists. No, no,
3: we were dead already.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. Oof.
3: Yeah, that's good. That
2: actually, I, I have a list of quotes from your book. One you said that reminded me of that is we become an object of external demands rather than the subject of our lives.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So Ruff. that brings me to a sort of uh, devil's advocate kind of question. This was, I, no one actually asked this. This is one of my questions, <laughs> but I have a feeling people might relate. So I'm going to ask it anyway. While I logically recognize that my perfectionism holds me back in many ways, And like I said, I can feel disdainful or like frustrated or defeated if I don't feel like I get the matching recognition or I feel I don't feel fully seen. As you said, I have to admit I do feel a weird sense of pride over my perfectionism, you know, like my attention to detail, my work ethic, my willingness to to I don't want to say like to give up, you know, Hours of my life on something that doesn't matter because that's not something I like about myself. But I have to admit, it like the result is something I'm proud of. And I do feel a sort of like frustration when it feels like other people get ahead with ideas that feel half baked or execution that in my eyes seems sloppy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that doesn't add up, like that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. What would you? I really hope people relate to this because this question does not sound very flattering as I say it out loud. No, no, you're going to be
3: good. You're going to be okay. (laughs) So
2: my question is, what would you tell someone like me where logically I'm like, this isn't my friend, but I'm still, I almost hold on to it as a part of my identity. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily something I want to let
0: go of much. Yeah. Oh, okay. So awesome. That's a great question. And I think yeah, all the Shandys will relate and feel much closer <laughs> to you as a result.
2: I
1: agree.
0: We live in this world that really rewards perfectionism, right? So every time you're a perfectionist, I mean, people wear, honestly do wear it as a badge of honor. You ask people, how are you doing? Oh, so busy, so busy, busyness, perfectionism, all of these <laughs> so things. Right?
3: Everybody's so busy. I'm too
0: busy to tell you yeah. how things are going right now. <laughs> I exactly, can't even talk. Exactly, right? And if you say, oh, I'm having a good time, I mean, that just feels like I'd, I have no life.
3: Right?
0: <laughs> 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 so, true. So, sad. So, so you know, when we have that fragile confidence, we are dependent on external feedback, we are dependent on external praise, we are dependent on external approval, and we pick it up wherever we get it, right? So all these little signs make you feel good about yourself and this has been happening, like I said earlier, for decades. You just hooked on to that. Now this has become your own inner voice. Now you reward yourself for it. Mm-hmm. So
2: Okay. Sorry. I'm taking a moment because that needs a second. Okay.
0: (laughs) Continue. Sorry. Right. So, so because of that, you're also disconnected from what, from the bigger picture. Perfectionism just keeps us trapped in all of those little tick box, tick box, tick box, and disconnected from the bigger picture. So disconnected from what I really want, what can potentially grow here. And so when you see other people getting ahead with you know, like you said, a little bit of sloppy work and all of that, maybe they are more connected to their final vision and this is just their path. So you are comparing your final product with their path Mm. to whatever they are trying to get to. Mm. Mm. You're very good at this. (laughs) (laughs) She wrote a book. (laughs) She she wrote
2: a book. Okay. Um, Loved that answer. You also managed, I, I wasn't sure, honestly, I I felt like some of the questions where I was like, gosh, like she coaches people for years. It's like, how can you answer some of these questions in just a couple of minutes? But you really do a great job of sort of distilling it down Mm -hmm. to using a lot of uh, analogies also. Yes, yes, yes. We like analogies. Climbing someone else's mountain. Okay. Uh, So another common question was around the idea of analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. And I love how you, you, quoted the famous FOMO acronym. But then you also mentioned that the person actually who came up with FOMO, who coined FOMO, also came up with FOBO, which, yes. which I have to admit resonated with me even more. And that is uh, fear of a better option. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andy's laughing because he's seen me spend hours mm-hmm. online comparing you know, as what I, uh, Shandy put this better than I can whether it's comparison shopping toasters or pet insurance options i feel like i have to exhaust and compare all options and then i get overwhelmed and can't ever decide so yeah.
3: just to give you an example i've been in a like a cvs with charlene <laughs> and we're buying something like like body wash or hand soap yeah. and yeah. she'll spend a full minute comparing <laughs> which bottle has a straighter label <laughs> Or has a slightly higher fill level.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's true. Yeah. It's, I don't like it when the seam of the bottle is on the front of the bottle with like the labels on top of it. Ooh, like, I yeah. think the seam should be at the back. Like, yeah. this is, like, Big, I, I have a problem. I can things. admit I have a problem. So, what would you tell people who suffer with this analysis paralysis?
0: Okay, so once, well, first I have to say, you, you must have, you may know of Barry Schwartz's research on uh, maximizers and satisfizers. So you're definitely a maximizer. And <laughs> Andy, I don't know about you, you may be a satisfizer. You've, you've looked around, you've seen two, one seems good enough. and you... <laughs> Walk away with that. So again, you know, it boils down to the same thing. Know where, what is really important to you. If that's, you know, that shower gel is so important to you and you really look at it every day and you get excited by the fact that it's pink and it's got a straight label, then fine. But if you're doing that for everything in your life, then it's going to be very difficult. Mm. Uh, but as far as... Uh, and. Paral- analysis paralysis goes, I mean, that is just a fear of failure at the end of the day, right? It is fear of the, a better option. It is fear of failure. It's just driven by fear that what if I, you know, don't come out on top or what if I come out at the bottom? It's just that. And so you keep going round and round, but you don't, You you're not really getting anywhere So if you need an answer for that, the thing is, and this is a great research by Daniel Kahneman, you, you write down the pros, cons of both options. You write down the pros of this option, cons of it, pros, cons. You've done, so you've done all the analysis because, you know, it's also very hard to say, oh, just don't analyze, just go with, with your gut or something. It doesn't work that way. So you'd write down that, especially for us perfectionists mm-hmm. we need to know you know we're not like we've done all the work and then after that after that just sit back and and then connect disconnect from all of that you've got it all down on paper then you have to just sit back and say okay what does my gut tell me it's it's difficult as well for some people that are so disconnected from their gut but it's a muscle you practice it you say okay what would I regret not doing 10 years from now or which is a decision that the 10 year future self of me would ask me to take. There are different ways you can build that muscle, but analysis paralysis, definitely write down everything, but then don't make that decision with your head because your head will always keep coming up with different Mm -hmm. options. It, will, mm. it won't stop. All it's trying to do is protect you. You say one thing, it's like that rol- Rolodox, a Rolodex. It'll just keep coming back with something else and something else. So once you've done that, you've got it all down, just sit back and say, now my head's not deciding. Mm. Now something else in me is deciding. Ooh,
2: mm. okay. So, sorry, I just, I can't let you go yet. I have to ask a question based on that. Because you did talk in the book about how you can sort of like rewire your brain. And I'm wondering with this specific example, let's say we're talking about the body wash at the Mm. CVS, would it over time change me in a positive way to not compare the six different bottles of identical body wash and just take the first one and move on with my life? Especially knowing that in 10 years, this decision will, I will not care about this decision. 10 years, (laughs) 10 seconds. (laughs) <laughs> so, well, is is that like a small
0: exercise that that you would suggest to people or and to me? Okay. Yes. And so one of the exercises would be exactly like Andy said, would this matter one day from now? Would this matter three days from now? Would this matter 10 days from now? Get to the time frame that makes you feel comfortable, and then just you know just move on with that. We're gonna do really that. enjoying this conversation. No, this is fun, and
3: we're going to put this in practice this weekend. We're going to a CVS. We're going to buy a lot of stuff really fast.
0: You know, Charlene, what would really help is just. Allow yourself to be imperfect and deal with the emotion that results from it because Mm. it will be emotionally very painful. You would just uh, be itching to go there and get that other bottle or go fix it in some way or pour it into the old bottle that's over, but at least it was perfect Mm. or do whatever. But... (laughs) The thing is, you have to ride that wave. You have to have coping mechanisms for that moment where you keep telling yourself, it's okay, we're going to get through this, wouldn't matter, have some mantras that help you tell Andy to distract you with some humor, (laughs) whatever it is. But you know, you're both in it together. That's why relationships, healthy relationships like yours is, is so beneficial to heal us. Relationships, intimate relationships can really heal healthy, intimate relationships, heal whatever we carry from our early years. So have all of that because you have to learn to be with the discomfort. That's the most important thing. Mm.
2: Oh yeah, that <sighs> hit me. Okay.
3: I didn't expect CVS to bring you to tears <laughs> in this podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's fine. No, there were other like things that she said earlier no, on I where know. I was like, okay, no, I feel myself welling up a bit, but like, that's not it. And then this one when she's like, deal with the emotion of yeah. why that bothers yeah. you. Okay. So Homaira, we're going to let you go shortly. I have two remaining questions, yeah. and I cannot choose just one. I know that's shocking. <laughs> so I'm going to force you to answer this first one quickly, which is just cruel. You dedicate a good portion of your book to the quest to find our purpose. Yeah. How does finding one's purpose tie into shedding our perfectionism?
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll be quick with this.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> horrible for me to ask her that.
0: <laughs> so finding our purpose really connects us to that, to our full potential. What it, so you see, each one of us has this potential, something amazing, something brilliant, something beautiful. You can, you can bring, air, you know, soft language around it. You can bring whatever, like, head-centric language around it. But we all come into this world with some potential. And actualizing that potential is the journey of life. But when we don't value that potential, when we don't own it, when we're not aware of it, when we reject it, again, for all those reasons that we spoke about, then we are hooked onto all of these other things. So when you find that potential and you're living on purpose toward that, helping yourself actualize that, all of this becomes very meaningless, right? Mm. It doesn't matter so much. It's so much easier to let go of them. Sometimes, yes, you do need to do a little bit of work, especially because when you get hooked onto those behaviors, you don't learn certain other skills that now you need to learn. So you Mm. need to learn how to be okay with the discomfort. You need to learn how to have that conversation. You need to learn how to allow people in your life you need to learn how to discern between what needs perfection, what doesn't need perfection. These are some skills that we do need, but it's much easier to work on them because you're working towards something much bigger than that. Mm. Mm.
3: It, you know, it's, this reminds me a lot. And a lot of oh this- Oh my God,
0: this reminds me of something too. If it's the it's same thing-
3: than cleaning our sick. house?
2: No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go.
3: Well, I, Charlene accuses me of being a hoarder, which is completely untrue. <laughs> Like if I'm a hoarder, I'm the lightest like at the true. Point 0.5 hoarder. But um, I, I keep a lot of things. Often I feel like it's for sentimental value or maybe I'm going to use this one day and that day comes on to be like, oh, I wish I had that thing. But, you know, we went through a big cleaning of all the closets and everything. And I was throwing away so much stuff. Like I was like, oh, maybe I'll need that. And you know what? Like like the soap, like 10 seconds later, like the next day, there was not one second of that day after I, I'm telling you, it was like 200 pounds of stuff (laughs) like literally I'm not exaggerating the next day for not one split second did I think about the loss of any of those things and I think I think in life like if we can see ourselves as the kind of cleaning of a closet I know that's an overused metaphor but I really feel like if you could just look at things and be like, have I used that recently or has that given me any value recently? And do I feel that I'm gonna have any value from that in the future? And if not, just throw it out and don't think about it. And I feel like, I mean, it's easier said than done, but I I think if you can think about these issues like perfectionism or shame or how you want other people to see all this stuff that's really like handicapping you, if you can just see it as just throwing away stuff that you haven't used in a long time or that's just causing issues and clutter and you won't use in the future. Yes. Just do it. Get rid of it.
0: Yeah. Mm. Exactly. It's and funny do it that- with love because it was, It did come to protect you in some way, right? It was there. It served you at a time. Mm-hmm. But now it's no longer doing its job. So get rid of it, right? Yeah. Mm. Oh, I,
3: I did it with love. I Every single thing I shed a tear. <laughs> All the garbage. Is
0: that Marie Kondo? Or what's the oh, name yeah. Of- yeah, Marie what's Kondo. What's yeah.
2: If it doesn't spark joy. Yeah. <laughs> so actually my, my example, I was for a second that I was like, Oh my God, if we're yeah, thinking of the same example, crazy. that's insane. But we are a relationship podcast. And so a lot of the times we are giving relationship advice and it's kind of similar in the idea when, when we're like, you're wasting your time with this person, like you're spending three, four nights a week or your Saturday nights, like these, you know, these precious hours of your time with someone who's married or who is not committing to you or who's, you know, blah, 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 who's giving you mixed signals. Those are hours you could be out with your friends going on a first date with mm-hmm. someone who could change the rest of your life, you know, mm-hmm. living your life and who knows where those connections or those hours could take you. And that's what sort of stands out to me about what you said, Homaro, is the idea that, by letting go of certain things, you, you now have a capacity for something new.
3: No, yeah. yours was exactly. better than mine. Yours is, yours is better. You won. Oh,
2: no, I liked yours
0: a lot, though. No,
3: I liked yours more.
0: Okay. But you know what? What <laughs> both have is the safety, right? You're hanging on to that, whatever relationship dysfunctional, or you're hanging on to your clothes or whatever, <laughs> thing, or whatever, because they make you feel safe, right? So mm-hmm. it is the willingness to now step in to explore, like, you know, curiosity, what else is possible possible if I'm not like so trapped into this and so hooked by that because it's just not serving me.
2: Mm. So to the people who have sought out this conversation, you know, because maybe they saw perfectionism in the title, you know, they were curious. What parting words would you have for people who tuned into this episode? What would you like their overriding takeaway to be?
0: Oh, that is such a great question. I mean, I would I would be inspired by something Andy said earlier, and it's just take yourself a little less seriously. Mm. I mean, honestly, this is one chance we get at this life and it's so magical and it's so beautiful. And there is so many opportunities and so much around us and so much magic in the people around us. And there is so much to be discovered and uncovered. And When we just stay stay trapped in all of this and taking ourselves seriously and taking life and everything else so seriously, we miss the magic. Mm -hmm. And I think we would all regret it at some point and say, I wish I'd lived a little more. I wish I'd laughed a little more. I wish I'd not gotten so hung up about small things. And so just, yeah, just take life a little take yourself a little less seriously and as a consequence you'll take everything else a little less seriously as well and just recognize that voice in your head that keeps yapping away because it will and it keeps pushing you and tormenting you and just create some distance from it and say no I I want to embrace joy I want to you know not be so hung up on all of this Mm. Homaira Kabir, thank you so much. Thank you. For joining thank us today. Thank you
2: so much. Also, for, so much. also for letting me reschedule on you because of my <laughs> perfectionism. <laughs> we really no, enjoyed having That was having called you. diligence, not perfection.
3: Uh, true, true.
2: <laughs> thank you so much. We've just had a great yeah, time chatting you. with this you. Thank you. This was lovely. Thank, thank you. you both. Thank you. Bye bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, well, she was delightful. Yes. I'm like exhausted now. I know. It was intense.
3: <laughs> it was intensely delightful.
2: Yeah. Whenever, whenever an episode really, you know, we, we had a similar thing with our, uh, the platonic friendship episode, yeah. you know, these are things that I struggle with. And so, yeah, it's like kind of exhausting, like the buildup even to this episode, I was like, I have to read her book from top, from beginning to end. I no. need to have mm. the right. I like, I wanted to make sure I had questions that I felt represented the perfectionists of the world. And the Shandus definitely helped too. They were able to put into words some things that I wasn't able to. But um I'm just kind of wiped. I'm wiped out. But I do feel lighter and also like next time we go to CVS, I'm just gonna gonna practice you're gonna hold me to this. I feel like I
3: don't see this happening.
2: (laughs) No, I really want to try. Like I wanna that's the thing is I don't know a single perfectionist even though I did talk you know there was one question that talked about the sixth sense of pride ultimately if I could change this about myself I would oh I know you're like I don't want to be like this I, I want to be I, I want to be the kind of person that can like clock out and not spend an extra hour editing this one minute detail on a thumbnail for this podcast yeah. that no one's gonna notice right right you know like I want that hour of my life
3: or caring about the one really negative comment amongst hundreds of positive ones
2: yes. Yes,
3: that is the that is the advanced <laughs> buying soap in CVS. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, there was a one of the other quotes I grabbed from here. First of all, I loved the discussion of shame. I love that you brought it to shame mm. because I was hoping it would come to shame. Because yeah. how could we not? Bring it up always shame? comes to shame. It does. And so a quote she has in the book is not experiencing shame is worse than experiencing shame because it says something about our ability to feel remorse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which we have, we have or you have expressed those, that yeah. in some way before. I also thought the three common reactions to shame were interesting. One was move away, so that's to withdraw, silence yourself, start avoiding people and or situations. It's usually me. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were three.
3: I'm a little of one and three. Okay. I saw three too, yeah.
2: <laughs> two is move toward. This is me. Yeah. Please, appease, go out of your way to make sure others don't dislike you. And then three is move against. So blame or make sure people know it wasn't your fault. You're yeah, you're somewhere between one and three.
3: I think we all have a little bit of one, two, and three. In I this. agree. I mean, shame is a very universal and complex experience.
2: Yeah. It's fascinating.
3: Yeah. It's anyway. it's, uh,
2: it's interesting,
3: you know, when you think about human experience, just people, if you want to do the X, Y axis of like the human brain, uh-huh. like there's extreme not caring about what people think, like yeah. extreme, like right at the bottom of the X axis. yeah, And then there's extreme, like loving and feeling like amazing about yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you really think about it, like, I know this is a little twisted, but you can make a case that that's kind of a psychopathic nature. Which one? Like where you feel like you're the greatest thing in the world and you don't care at all what other people think about you. Mm. There's some level of like, not psychopathic, sociopathic Yeah, but there's also element. an
2: argument to be made that that is all a coping mechanism. Like that's just a front because deep down you really are that insecure.
3: Right. It's all It's all like it's very, it's almost two sides of a coin, but it's, it's like the differences are massive based mm-hmm. on where the motivation orientation oh, is. Oh, it's
2: so true. Actually, it's insane how this one kernel, like it's actually quite, it's probably a, the same kernel yeah. or at least a sister, kernel a
3: sister kernel of
2: why you are that way. And then the, the, uh, the effect is so different.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It just manifests itself. It's just that there's a tiny turn of the screw yeah, and it manifests itself between you becoming like Ted Bundy and like someone who cures cancer. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, even laughing is tiring now. <laughs> like,
3: oh, sorry. So no more laughs. I will um, say that I've had the song Life is a Highway stuck in my head the whole time. I was like kind of, I, I kept humming it in my head. I was like, stop it. your oh, yeah, podcast named name yeah. Life is a Highway. Do you, I, I don't think in Oman they listen to Rascal Flats. I don't think that's a oh, big. What? Rascal Flats. Do. You think so in Oman? that Rascal Flats have it big in Oman? I don't think so.
2: I don't know. I mean, why are you bringing this up?
3: No, I wonder if she's a fan of Rascal <laughs> Flats or has no idea that they exist. It's one of the two I'm
2: thinking. Oh, I mean, that's a pretty iconic song. It's hard to imagine. like to me. That's international fame song.
3: Yeah, but who? How many people can name Rascal Flats? as the person? If I'm who honest sings it? with
2: you, if I like when I saw Life Is a Highway, I was like, Life Is a Highway, yeah, but oh, I wasn't like that song is by Rascal Flats. I would yeah. not have gone there.
3: Yeah, yeah, very few people know that.
2: Yeah. Sorry. Anyway,
3: getting to the important things here.
2: So I have to address. The fact that this ring light has been flickering throughout this entire episode and I have been exercising, not trying to control it and just accepting it. This is me embarking on a new journey. That's
3: great. I'm very proud of you.
2: Yeah, because I mean, in other episodes, I would like I'd be like, you know, stop, hold like T.O., everyone like remember what you were about to say. And then I would have to go and adjust the ring light. And in this case, I was like no one will be able to tell that the ring light flickered. It's wow, okay.
3: Good for you. The amazing thing is I cannot tell at all that flicker. <laughs> it's flickering. <laughs> <laughs> Two See, sides of a coin.
2: And that, you know, when we talked about, like I had a moment when we we're when it was flickering and she was talking and she and I were talking and and you're closer to the ring light. I had a moment where I was like, why can't he just sense that the ring light is flickering and just reach over and fix it? And I, you know, she talked about like recognizing each other's strengths. It's like, you can't, you just don't see that.
3: (laughs) I don't. and And it makes my life so much better.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm jealous.
3: But, but you can learn to just stop. You you what you have is is you're you're on the spectrum of getting to the person who's sitting talking to someone and there's like a deck of cards sitting on a table and it's slightly off a 90 degree angle from <laughs> the edge of the table. Yeah. And they're like, How can this person sit here and let that happen? Uh, this is insane. Yeah. Like you that's that's the end of the line. And you're there. So you're, that's not a good I mean, spectrum. I,
2: no, it's, I'm not proud of this. No, and I have I, in, some of it
3: too. I'm not just, you, you know, know, I'm I not shaming them, When you. I'm in
2: yoga class and someone's yoga mat is obviously like off kilter from the shape of the room. And yeah. it's not like parallel to the, the side of the wall that they're next to. I'm like, how are they allowing this to happen? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Even when I do
2: Shavasana, I want to be equidistant. My head From like to the top of the mat, from my feet to the bottom of the mat. This is a problem. Uh, I I recognize this is the start of my recovery.
3: (laughs) I I will say it does benefit me to some degree because in this apartment, everything is perfectly on angle. Mm -hmm. Nothing is crooked.
2: As much as it can be in a 130 year old building anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. The walls are crooked. There's nothing you can do about that, <laughs>
2: yeah. but everything is level. Yes, it's yes, level. Yes. Okay. I think we should wrap there. Oh, that that filled my heart, even though yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. But I really great. loved that, that towards the end, that idea of like letting something go will give you the space to bring in something else, Yeah. you know, to yeah. change your ways maybe, and maybe bring in things that will give you joy. Maybe allow the
3: light allow the light in allow it in yeah and i'm gonna get in my yogi pose i'm <laughs> floating now here i go i'm going
2: anyone can't see he's not on his chair Hold anymore on, wait i'll do it here
3: i started here here i go right okay i can't float anymore
2: okay if you enjoyed what you heard today, you know what we will ask of you. And that is to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Leave us Apple, Apple and
3: Spotify
2: podcast ratings and reviews. Tell your friends and generally do all the things that you would do to support a podcast you enjoy. And is perfect. <laughs> and answers your questions for you yeah. anonymously to experts. Yeah. Yes. I hope this episode helps some people. I Me do too. feel I feel like I'm changed. Me too. Or at least I feel like I have a little more awareness now. I'm
3: a little more down the highway.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Dear Shandy. Bye-bye.
4: Dear Shandy. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement.